Hey, good morning. Welcome back to The Wicked Ones. This is Tara. And this is Jen. So, it's been a little while. How was Easter? Good. I mean, I worked. So, that's right. Yeah. Um, I pretty much, so we went to Florida for spring break. Yeah, that was good, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. We were COVID safe. And I pretty much walked off the plane into work for 48 hours straight. It was, I mean, it was. You know how it is. Yeah, yeah. I always have to do my days before. And I after. always have this great idea of you enjoying some sunshine or like getting like a second to sit. I would try to imagine you like out back reading a book or something, and then I'll be like, "Hey, how was your? Did you get to enjoy it?" And you're like, "Never, never." No, and I feel so I bad. Busy. I want to oh, kidnap don't feel bad. you and I'm like fine, stick you in my backyard. <laughs> I did get to uh, Steve and the girls made dinner. So I managed to get home and nice. have dinner before That's going good. back to work. So that was nice. That's nice. And then the kids, yeah. Awesome. The kids found some Easter eggs before I left and it was good. Cool. How about you? Yeah, yeah. And ours was really good. We actually got to go to Indiana. Uh, it's been a, it's, so we didn't get to do Easter last year, obviously with COVID. And we hadn't seen my grandparents in a really long time, but they had both their shots and so did everybody there. Everybody had their shots. So um, we were able to go see everybody and have an actual holiday dinner, which was amazing. That's I great. really was grateful for it. It was so nice. And, um, yeah, my parents did a great job. They did all these great e- Easter eggs and all that kind of fun stuff for the kids. I didn't even have to do it this year, so they had it all taken care of. And Nice. That was, like, a nice perk, too. So, yeah, it was good. Very it was, cool. It was awesome. I'm glad you got to see your family. Yeah, yeah, me too. And hopefully a lot of you out there finally got to see your family, too. I'm sure it was it was a big, it was like a bigger celebration than what it, you know, than it was. If you celebrate Easter, um, you know, not everybody does, but. No, but still, it's, the yeah. weather's getting a bit nicer. Hopefully people are having a chance to connect a little bit more. Yeah, I hope so. Let's get into a few <sighs> topics here. So, you know me, I'm always like in a hole, hanging out with the kids, doing school or whatever, and you always text me like things that are happening in the world. I love it though, because I, I don't ever know what's going on. You're and my like, Twitter. <laughs> yes, there you go. Oh, I'm happy to be your Twitter. You're my Twitter. <laughs> Since I don't we're have, not on Twitter. Yes, I don't have Twitter. Everything that I would put on Twitter, I send oh. to you, which probably saves every, the whole world a lot of grief. Oh, I have a feeling you would have many followers <laughs> because the shit that comes out of your mouth. We don't always say it quite like it uh, it is on here, but sometimes we do. And you sent me the info about Rachel Hollis because she's been somebody that we've talked about a lot in the past few years. And how, oh, yeah. 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 From she, day one. From, remember? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, she's not authentic. Mm-mm. Plagiarism. Yeah. Everywhere. The things, her quotes, her comments. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, I know that. I heard that <laughs> somewhere. I yeah. That's funny. Um, I tried to give her a chance. You did. I read her first book. You know, mm-hmm. I had to see what the Kool-Aid was about. Yeah, it wasn't for me, but I know she's helped a lot of people. A lot of people really, really yeah. enjoy her. Yeah, 100%. Uh, I don't know. Just from day one. I was, I've was i never been a fan. I called bullshit on her story you did. just a long time ago. Oh, you actually called her marriage. I was like, no, no. They're perfect. They have date night every week. I'm yeah. like, no, mm-hmm. things aren't working out. I was like, oh, Jen, (laughs) you were right. But this whole cancel culture bullshit is just So my Instagram feed is blowing up because I follow a lot of strong female entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. and a lot of people, I guess, kind of like Rachel Hollis, Uh right? They want to 
help, but they also want to sell you something. They of want course. you to join their community and They're so called, they can I mean, teach you <laughs> yes. how to be successful. Uh-huh. So these women, uh, they're just burning Rachel to the ground. I am so disgusted mm-hmm. with their nastiness. So if you don't like her, just don't follow her. Don't mm-hmm. buy her book. It's pretty simple. Stay in your lane and move on. For real. I like, don't even you don't... like her. But no. I feel the need to tell people, just stop it right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you don't like what someone's doing, and first of all, shame on you. These people complaining about this recent plagiarism. She's been plagiarizing since day one. Yeah, you guys bought her stuff and lifted her up. Don't and, complain about it five absolutely. years later. No. I don't, this isn't her, I guess my biggest thing is what is happening now is not new. Mm-mm. So. Well, nothing's new. Everything's redone, right? But she's been doing the same thing for years. So why are you angry about it now? I'm sure she's just as shocked. I bet she's sitting somewhere just completely shocked that people are angry because she's not doing anything different mm-hmm. than she's yeah. been doing. Yeah, I'm sure. But if you don't like Rachel, just don't follow her. Just don't support her. Mm-hmm. If you don't like someone, just don't support them. Don't feel the need to start them on fire. Well, just the whole thing that you had said about the one person that you follow that spent her entire day messaging her network and her people to let them know about Rachel Hollis and to cancel her or whatever. Yeah. And I thought, wow, like people are going to some great lengths here to be nasty. And spend terrible. that on something productive yeah. and constructive. Don't spend your energy on trying to cancel yeah. somebody. Wonderful. That's just my personal thought. But I do know what we should cancel is those little house on the prairie dresses <laughs> that I'm seeing everywhere. That yeah. is one cancel I will support. I'll support it. I can't wear that stuff. I don't oh do flowers. Gosh. I don't do poofy sleeves. All of none of <laughs> that <long> stuff. <laughs> little no. house on the if they don't look good on anyone. Mm-mm. If it's not black, I won't wear it. So <laughs> For the most part. But yes, I think I what you're saying. But I'm excited to hear your story today. It's going to be, I hear it's going to be very different than what we normally talk about. Yeah, hopefully I, hopefully people appreciate it because it's a little bit. I'm excited. So I'm back to darkness. <laughs> I gave you a little white collar crime and I just went right back the dark <laughs> rabbit hole. I apologize. And we've been focusing on like Hollywood entertainment yeah. industry. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I'm going to tell you about a professional wrestler. I can't so wait. It's kind yeah. of, so professional wrestling, like the WWE, is not considered a sport. Okay, yeah. It's considered entertainment. I know that's like very controversial. controversial. Yeah, yeah. People get real angry about so that. So I decided to throw this into our entertainment month instead okay. of the sport month. After yeah. a long debate with my husband. Actually, it was really it was really confusing because Steve told me what you were doing last night. And he was like, oh, I wasn't supposed to tell you. Right. And I'm like, that's okay. I don't know the story. So I'm not going to look into it or anything. But I was like, but I was like, but Wait, I'm really confused because I'm like, isn't he an athlete? Because sports months in May. Oh, my God. I'm like, I don't think I'm, I don't think I have the right story for the month or whatever. And I was freaking out. And he goes, no, no, it's like entertainment. And I'm like, oh, OK. I, I thought you. I knew that would throw you. <gasps> yes. We had the great debate. I'm like, but yeah. they are athletes. He's like, they are. So today I'm going to tell you about the professional wrestler, Chris Benoit. He was born in Quebec, Canada on May 21st, 1967. He was 40 years old and wrestling for the WWE at the time of his death in 2007. Okay. Did you ever watch wrestling? 
So I know a little bit of wrestling. I've only seen like the highlights from like The Rock and, you know, yeah. I saw that movie Fighting with my family and loved it. And yeah, yeah, so yeah. I don't know a whole lot about wrestling, but the stuff that I have learned, I think it's really interesting. It is. So Steve and I, when we first started dating, we actually watched Monday Night Raw. You did? We did. All these things I'm learning. I know. <laughs> so I watched a lot of wrestling with my brother. I had all boy cousins. So mm -hmm. I had a lot of John Cena in my life. <laughs> but it was, I enjoyed. So it's almost like a male, I won't say male soap opera, but there's a storyline, you know, there's people mm -hmm. and families and breakups and. Really? Oh yeah. It's good. It's good. So I, I really enjoyed all the dramatic storylines and the acting, you know, yeah, it was like yeah. a different version of reality TV. I don't know. I liked it. And I liked the fake fighting because it was fake, because I'm not really into, like, I have a true crime podcast, but I don't like violence. It doesn't make sense, I know, <laughs> but I don't like fighting, kill, die entertainment. It doesn't fit me. Yeah, yeah. No, does that I make mean, sense? It, it does make sense, because I feel I would have to agree with that. I feel the same way, yeah. And I feel like it takes a different level of skill to fake fight and make it look real mm -hmm. than to actually fight. It's just different. Yeah. So... We watched a lot of wrestling, but almost 14 years later, and the wrestling community is still divided in their feelings for Benoit. Really? So my goal is to share this story with as much compassion and respect as possible for the victims, the family, and this may make you cringe, but also for Chris Benoit. Okay. And I hope by the end, you'll see why. There's a trigger warning. I will be talking about suicide and child murder. Mm. I know. But like I've said a million times before, I think it's a story that deserves to be told. Yeah. So yeah. we're going to go back in time. It's Saturday, June 23rd, 2007. Uh, Chris Benoit is at home with his family in Fayetteville, Georgia, and he's scheduled to be in Beaumont, Texas that evening for a WWE event. Around 3.30 that afternoon, Benoit left a voicemail for his very good friend and fellow wrestler, Chavo Guerrero. And he states in the message that Nancy and Daniel have food poisoning, so he would be late for the show. Now, Nancy is Benoit's wife, okay. and Daniel is his seven-year-old son. Okay. 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 <laughs> oh, your face. <laughs> Guerrero calls back, and Benoit says the same thing. Nancy and Daniel are sick. He will be late. Guerrero takes note that Benoit sounds kind of sleepy and tired. He kind of sounds out of it. Mm-hmm. So only 12 minutes after ending the call, he, Guerrero calls Benoit back. He just knows his friend. Yeah, Aww. he just, he knows something's up. And he states in an interview that he was concerned about Benoit's tone and demeanor. Mm -hmm. He did not answer the phone, so Guerrero left a message for his friend asking him to call back. At 3.44 p.m., Benoit returned Guerrero's phone call. He explained he missed the call because he was on the phone with Delta Airlines rescheduling his flight. Oh, because he missed it. Yeah, because he was coming in later mm -hmm. because his wife and his son were sick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, he also said that he had a stressful day because Nancy and Daniel were sick with the food poisoning. And his friend Guerrero told him, like, hey, I'm here if you need anything. I'm here if you need to talk. Mm -hmm. He could tell that he was off. Benoit ended the conversation with, Chavo, I love you. Oh. But 
they're that type of person where they're always like, it's like our guys, love you, man. Like, okay, but this was a more heartfelt, like, almost like I love you, goodbye. It was a, yeah, like normally the, like, all right, talk to you, love you, man. Like, right, right. This it's all was lighthearted. A, it's, it's very on the fly. This was a, yes, a very blanket statement. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he was concerned, but he assumed that Benoit was tired. He had been supposedly caring for mm-hmm. his wife and the son. He was overwhelmed. He's supposed to be getting on a plane. He needs to come, you know, get to Texas tonight for the show. Yeah, yeah. So he just assumes, like, he's stressed out and excuses his behavior. Another coworker who traveled with Benoit frequently uh, called him from outside Houston Airport looking for him because he knew that they were going to get in around the same time. And Benoit did answer his phone. He told his coworker Nancy was throwing out blood and Daniel was also throwing out. Okay. Benoit never made it to the event in Beaumont, Texas. Instead, he left a message on Guerrero's phone that he would be flying into Houston and arriving at 8 a.m. Sunday morning. So that's Sunday, June 24th. Okay. Now, between the time of 3.51 and 3.58 a.m. on Sunday morning, Five text messages were sent to co-workers of Benoit. Following me? Yeah. Okay. These messages were sent both from his cell phone as well as his wife's cell phone. Okay. Four of the messages were the address to the Benoit's family home. Mm. Mm-hmm. The other message stated that the family's dogs were enclosed in the pool area and the garage side door has been left open. Guerrero, his friend, was one of the recipients of the text messages. It woke him up. Obviously, it's four in the morning. He went back to sleep thinking he's going to be picking up Benoit from the airport and didn't really, you know, he's sleeping. He just kind of, he didn't know if maybe Benoit was sending it to like the wrong person. Someone who was going to be like taking care of the dogs. Mm -hmm. While he was gone or, you know, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I can see where he would go there. At first I was like, wait, why didn't he jump out of bed? But no, I get that. Yeah. So he's like, or maybe he thought like it was a late message that came through. Remember, this was like 2007. So this oh, is when the cell phone messages came through like. A week later. Yeah. <laughs> like all of a sudden you were like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah hi. <laughs> uh, yes. Hind- you know, hindsight he realizes now. But at that time he just, I think he was just trying to. Being positive, if that makes sense. Of course, Benoit failed to show up again in Houston. He was not on the 8 a.m. flight, as promised. Mm-hmm. I don't even believe he was booked no, for the flight. No. He just needed some extra time. He was buying time. Yeah. There's a record of Benoit calling the WWE office later that same Sunday morning, stating his son was throwing up and that him and his wife were at the hospital but he would be taking a later flight into Houston for the live event that evening. So they move around, right? The WWE is in Texas, but they're in a different city every night. Their schedule is crazy. So they were in Beaumont, now mm-hmm. they're in Houston, and then they'll be going to Corpus Christi. Okay, okay. He was scheduled that night to face CM Punk for the ECW World Championship. It's a pay-per-view event. It was a big deal for those of you it sounds like it. who know. Yeah. <laughs> who those of you who know, you know. I saw your eyes light up. I was like, this must be a big one. <laughs> it was the Vengeance Night of Champions. So, and this, he was actually supposed to win this event. He was supposed to be, take the championship. But That's it, a big deal. It's a big yeah. deal. 
But I've he, seen the belt. I've seen the whole thing. Know. I do know that's a big deal. Benoit's pool was in the shape of a belt, a championship belt. <sighs> Side note. Wow. But again, he failed to appear. Mm. Now it's Monday, June 25th. The WWE arrives in Corpus Christi, Texas for Monday Night Raw. No one's heard from Benoit. And as the day goes on, everyone's getting more and more concerned. It's been over 24 hours since any communication with him. His friend, Chavo Guerrero, finally showed the WWE Vice President of Talent Relations, John Laurinaitis, the text he received from Chris Benoit and his wife's cell phone. Of course, he's like, why didn't you show me these sooner? What's going on? And I think Guerrero also, as a friend, was trying to respect Benoit's privacy, maybe knew something wasn't right. But he couldn't have imagined. He couldn't imagine what was to come. Right. Correct. And so I think he was just, he didn't want to like go to the boss and be. It's hard to say what you would do in a certain position like that. And he's away. He's not like, it's not like he could drive over to his no, house. He's, he's in a different state. He's trying to respect his friend's privacy right. and believe him. Yeah. Know, him... He's making excuses in his head. I get it. You I get it. Saying. Yeah. So at this time, the WWE contacts Fayetteville, Georgia police for a welfare check at the household of Chris Benoit. Mm. I know. I actually remember this on the news. Do you? Yeah. Police arrived at the Benoit's gated home at 2.30 on Monday, June 25th. The family dogs were outside. There was two German Shepherds. And so they were family dogs, but it's also said that they had these dogs for security. At this time, the police also see Benoit's neighbor, and they asked her if she'd seen anything, any activity around the house. She told the police officers she hadn't seen anyone for two to three days. And this is where the story gets a little sketchy for me. The neighbor offers to take the dogs inside the house and put them away. So then that's right, because you would think if you're a neighbor... Like, we are really close with our neighbors. And if our dog is outside at night and it's dark and they think maybe we've gone to bed, we'll get a text or a call or they'll come over and open our garage and put the dog inside thinking, oh, no, they must have. That just happened. That happened one time. Yeah. Where we got just because they were worried about him being out overnight. So if you're a neighbor and you're seeing these dogs have been out for two to three days and they don't have food or water. Well, and also, like, remember, they were also for protection. So the police, it's a gated home. The police want to get in, but the dogs are there. What are you going to do? Mace the dogs? Right. We had that talk. I don't remember. Does mace work on dogs? I don't know. We had that kind of... I don't remember. Yeah, it said no, that but I, I don't know. So she's saying basically, hey, I'll take the dogs inside so you can get in the house. So apparently she would watch the dogs in the past. The dogs were familiar with her. They were okay. friendly. Because I think it, what it sounded like, they wanted to eat the police officers. Okay. okay. They couldn't get in the fence. I was imagining something a little bit different. Like, I was imagining them in the pool area enclosed for two to three days with, I mean, obviously they don't have any, they haven't been inside. Yeah. So she offers to take the dogs in. Okay. I don't know how I feel about that. So she oh, and takes, they let her? The, the police agreed. Oh. They let her take the dogs and put them away inside the home. Now, the police officers are outside mm-hmm. waiting for the dogs to be secured, and they're starting to think this is taking too long. Yeah. She comes out screaming that Daniel is dead. That's the <sighs> seven-year-old. Now. That is not something. I'm just not sure 
how I feel about all this. If you're coming over for a welfare check, why are you letting a civilian into that home? I agree with you 100%. That was a mistake. You have no idea what that person is walking into. No. So instead of just securing the dogs and walking out, she hadn't seen this family in a couple days. The police officers are there. So she goes wandering around the house. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay. Mm -hmm. So supposedly her and Nancy were friends. Okay. So, but she's wondering what's going on. But still, shame on her. I don't know. It just seems like a very unsafe situation. And who knows what could have she could have gotten into. No, one, yeah. I completely agree, but at the same time, too, she's going to be, she should not have seen what she saw. Right. And I think it's really just because the police officers thought this was a, a easy way to neutralize the dogs so they can't yeah. get inside. And also, they didn't think that they were going to find what they were going to find. Okay. They, I mean, they come out and say they thought they were going to find. But as the police, you should always be one step ahead. And that was not, not being a good proactive. Yeah, no. no, I would not be happy with that. Inside the home, police discover the dead bodies of the Benoit family. I know you're not surprised by that. No, but it's still... It's horrible to so say out loud. Horrible. The first body that was discovered was that of Benoit's seven-year-old son, Daniel. He was found face down in his bed, and there was a Bible that was left next to his bed. Next was the wife of Chris Benoit, Nancy. Her body was found in the upstairs bedroom, and she had been wrapped in... Some sort of towel or sheet, depending on what you read. It's Mm -hmm. different, but she was wrapped in something. Okay. There was also a Bible left near her body. The third body, the body of Chris Benoit, was found in the downstairs weight room. And he had used the weight machine to hang himself. (sighs) Okay. Police notified the WWE around 4.15 p.m., They informed them that all three members of the Benoit family were found deceased in the home. Of course, the WWE wrestling community was shocked and heartbroken. This was their family. Mm -hmm. I mean, they traveled with Benoit and spent more time with him than their own wives and children. With the start of the event only a few hours away, WWE cancels the event and instead does a three-hour tribute to Benoit and his career including interviews with all of his fellow wrestlers. But it didn't take long for more details. And once the truth was revealed about the murder-suicide, the WWE had a severe change of heart. I'm sure they were mortified that they just did a three-hour special on a murderer. Mm Mm-hmm. So So they didn't... So, okay. They didn't know. I didn't realize until you just said that they they didn't know. They didn't know. Okay. So they got a phone call from Fayetteville police saying that all three of them were dead. They didn't know. Could it be carbon monoxide poisoning? Could have been anything. They didn't think this. So the following night, Vince McMahon, do you know who he is? Yeah. So he's, everybody knows Mr. McMahon. (laughs) So the chairman and CEO of WWE. He's actually no longer on the Forbes 400 richest, by the way. But anyways, he made a statement, and I'm going to read it to you. It says, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Last night on Monday Night Raw, the WWE presented a special tribute show, recognizing the career of Chris Benoit. However, now some 26 hours later, the facts of this horrific tragedy are now apparent. Therefore, other than my comments, There will be no mention of Mr. Benoit's name tonight. 
On the contrary, tonight's show will be dedicated to everyone who has been affected by this terrible incident. This evening marks the first step of the healing process. Tonight, WWE performers will do what they do better than anyone else in the world, entertain you. Yeah. And after that, Benoit virtually disappears from the WWE. Oh, they canceled him. He was canceled. He was severely canceled. He's gone from the website. Any future publications, video games, if you update that game, he's gone. Update removes Benoit even from video games. Wow. Archived footage, gone. Really? And if there's, there's a couple places where they couldn't get rid of him, and there is an actual disclaimer. Wow. They. That was, that's hardcore. WWE, no, like, encyclopedia, like, they, everything, gone. They did not play with that. Mm-mm. They were horrified that they, that they glorified a murderer. So then they had to take just as big as steps to go back mm-hmm. and. Yeah, but they didn't yeah. know. Yeah. They Nobody didn't know. knew. Right, so I'm going to tell you what the police think what happened over three days, June 22nd to the 24th. Obviously, we're not going to know mm-hmm. what happened. No one can tell us what happened, but putting everything together, this is what they think. So the last person to see Benoit alive was actually the pool guy. He had seen uh, Benoit outside grilling Friday afternoon, and his son Daniel was outside playing. Authorities believed that there was some sort of disagreement or altercation between Benoit and his wife, Nancy, later that evening. Which is weird. I feel like it has to be earlier than that. But they said it happened that evening. I guess that does make sense. But so Nancy was discovered, and this is horrific. I apologize. Her limbs, so her hands and her feet were bound. And... Her injuries, she had bruising um, on her back and, like, on her chest. Mm -hmm. They believed that Benoit had pressed his knees into her back, like she was face down, and while pulling a telephone cord around her neck and strangled her. I know, it's very graphic. I'm sorry. There's no signs of struggle in the home or on her body. There was no fight. No. So, it's weird. She may have been unconscious at the time that he did that, or, God, I mean, he, I imagine this huge hulking man. He's and, not, I mean, he's big, but he's only 5'11". Okay. But still, still. Like, I'm sure he overpowered her by yeah. quite a bit. But, I mean, he tied her hands and her arms and then did that? I don't know. that. Then there's really not much of a fight. I mean, what do you do? What are no, you going to do? no. But it's also almost like premeditated. Mm-hmm. You have to tie someone up. You, mm-hmm. I mean, that takes a lot of thought and anger. It and does. It wasn't a snap decision. Well, it wasn't like a attack and then, oh my God, what did I do? Right. That's what I mean. It wasn't like a, like holy if you're tying shit. someone up. Right. Right. You're, you, you know what's going to happen next. So he, or there's evidence found of alcohol in her body, but the toxicologist isn't able to determine whether that was present. Before death or due to comp. Decomp. Okay, yeah. Uh, Like I said, Daniel was murdered in his room. The exact time of Daniel's death is not known, but they believe it was sometime on Saturday because 
upon discovery, his body was just starting to show signs of decomposition. Like I said, he was face down. He had been suffocated. They found Xanax in his system, and they believed that he had been medicated and was unconscious when he was suffocated. Not sure how I feel about that either. It obvious, I mean, there's probably 24 hours between what happened to his mom and what happened to him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was like a mercy thing to give the Xanax. I, I don't know. But they also, and I saw pictures of this, there was a large knife under Daniel's bed. It hadn't been used, and it was literally just tucked under like the headboard side on the floor underneath the bed, just laying there. I'll have to show you pictures. Okay. I don't know if I can, I don't know how I feel about sharing some of the pictures that I came across. So I'll show you. And if people want to find them, they can. So what do you make of that? Do you say next or do we talk about that for a second? We can talk about it. There's no, no one knows anything. I mean, when you said that, it made me think that maybe that was the plan and then he couldn't go through with it. And so he went a different route and suffocated. Yeah. Then why the Xanax? Like you said, maybe it was a mercy thing. Yeah. I don't know. He wanted him to be Or maybe he was going to kill him himself. Didn't want him to see it coming. Oh, maybe. I think he would. I mean, my thought is that he Risks was going to suffocate him and he was going to kill himself Slit with the knife. Like yeah. with him or something? Yes, that's my thought. <sighs> okay. So, I'm sorry. There were two final searches on Benoit's computer. Kind of creepy. One was a passage from the Bible where a son is resurrected. Oh. I know. And then the second was a search on the fastest and easiest way to break your neck. Oh. I know. So he was, I feel like things spiraled. He, I mean, there was well, a plan, how do you go but they're reeling and playing with your child to two days later. That's what, you know. But obviously, like, I mean, this search was done that morning. So this wasn't done on Friday, this right, search. Right. Yeah, like, I mean, it he was wasn't... like a last minute, what do I do next? Yes. What do I do now? Yes. My friend keeps calling. The WWE How do wants I... to know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. I need to. How do I fix this? I can't fix this. How do I? How do I? Yeah, what do just... I do next? I just want to be done. I know. So obviously what he did was terrible, but I just try to sometimes imagine myself what they must be thinking. I don't know. That's probably sounds sick and twisted, but. Well, that's what we do here. You know, we try to put ourselves in all sorts of different mindsets to try to figure out why people do what they what do. They do. Yeah. Um, like I said, his body was found in the weight room downstairs. And in the documentary, in the documentary I watched, the police talk about how the weight room was covered in mirrors, like most workout areas. Mm-hmm. And that when they first spotted him, they only saw him in the mirror and he was sitting at the weight machine. And they had actually asked him to put his arms up. Oh, okay. They had only seen his reflection, so they, they didn't see what was on the okay. other side. It just looked like he was sitting there. Right. Uh, that's just horrific. But um, he had died by suicide, by hanging. He had used the weight machine to hang himself, like I said. He had taken the it was on a lap machine. He took the pull-down mm-hmm. bar off, wrapped a towel around his neck, wrapped the cable around his neck, pulled up the weights, and let it and go. Let it go. They said, it, you know, his goal was to, sh- they said he died by strangulation, but then I also read somewhere else, like we always talk, there's mm-hmm. multiple oh, there's always. Mm-hmm. multiple things out there that said uh, 
the heavyweight that he used actually broke his neck broke his instantly. Neck. That's what it there sounded was, like. That's what he was trying to do. Yeah, I mean, and that doesn't sound like strangulation. He's. I think they said that he used like two hundred and forty pounds. I want to say that's not going to strangle you. That's going to rip yeah. your head off. Yeah. Not that it matters how no. it happened, but we're always talking about how you read different things yeah. in different places, and I just was really sad. This is, again, probably stupid and sick. That his life kind of ended in the very place where it started. You know, he started working out and everything at just such a young age. Mm-hmm. And I'll fill you on in on that. It okay. just, I don't know. It just hit me in a weird spot. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about Benoit before pre-tragedy. Okay. Pre-WWE? A little bit, a little bit how he gets into the WWE and how he kind of ended up in the place that he did. Okay. I tried to do a different spin on this because I feel like I usually tell you the whole story and then, and then everything at the end. the end. So I'm trying but... to give you the end, what the, what I'm telling you about, and then give you the backstory. And then you can, I want to ask, I want to get some of your feedback mm-hmm. at the end. Okay. So Benoit attended his first wrestling event at the age of 12 with his father in Edmonton. He was instantly hooked. He idolized this wrestler called the Dynamite Kid. I've heard of him. And he decided right away he was going to be a professional wrestler, just like the Dynamite Kid. And he was. He did it. Fellow wrestlers will tell you that Benoit just worked. He was the hardest worker. He was dedicated. Um, He spent all of his time Mm -hmm. working out. He was a very big stickler on perfecting his technique. And being an athlete, I can appreciate that because you all, like, I've I've been around a lot of those kind of people who, you know, even the ones that maybe weren't the best athlete, but they outworked everyone they, they on are the team. They were yes, the naturally and, gifted person. Yeah, and yes. you just, you just, you just rooted for them. Absolutely. So he's, he's, he's that, that guy. guy. Yep. And like I said, he loved the Dynamite Kid, and he even took on the Dynamite Kid's signature move, the diving headbutt. Have you seen this? No. So you they jump off the top rope, basically like spread eagle, and they land with a headbutt. Boom. To oh, their, okay. I, I haven't seen that one. I've seen him jump off the ropes before. I've seen some of that. But yeah. I don't no, think I, dive, that's that like sounds really painful. Finish, that was his like signature finishing move. Yeah. Obviously, contact is not supposed to happen. This is all fake, but I'm sure but it, it did. But it does. And I should add... That the dynamite kid was in a wheelchair before the age of 40 with brain damage and multiple spinal injuries and concussions. Like all of these injuries as a professional wrestler had him crippled. Football without the helmets, right? Like that's. I'm like, oh my gosh. Terrible. You probably should not be picking up this this move. This does not sound like a good idea. But he did. Like I said, Benoit's journey to be a professional wrestler was not without its challenges. He was a little guy, 5'11". As we know, most wrestlers... Think well, that, that when, you were, when you were telling me that, I was picturing this huge, hulking, like, no, massive 5'11", man. that's shorter than you, Daryl. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> I think they said the average is, like, 6'4". Okay. So he's, he's a little guy. He had to work harder than everyone else because he wasn't, he didn't fit the profile, right? Mm -hmm. He nailed the technical aspects of professional wrestling, but he still struggled struggled to be the superstar. He Mm -hmm. didn't fit the mold 
there's two sides of wrestling, right? You have to be good at the technical aspect, the athletic part, but you need charisma. You need to sell. Think about the Hulk. Think about John Cena. Think about the Rock. Like, Benoit was very reserved. He was very quiet. So he didn't have the, yeah, like the acting. He didn't have the personality, even though he had the heart for it. They even said, I read in one place that in Japan, they actually had him wear a mask in the beginning because he just wasn't very attractive. Oh. Imagine what that would do for your self-esteem. That's awful. That's not what I was expecting you were going to say. <laughs> no. Oh. I, my heart, Good when I, God. like, read that. That's horrific. No, that's really, But that's there's, terrible. they want the pretty face. Think of The Rock. I mean, think of John Cena. They want. <gasps> I love The Rock. I know. He's, well, that's a whole other thing we could talk about another time, but. Okay. <laughs> he needs to stop trying to sell me his, his energy drinks. Oh, uh, I thought you were going to say tequila. Oh, I like his tequila. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, so like I said, he had the technical skills, but he lacked the charisma that the wrestling industry really needed. So he was always the fall guy. He always was in the championship, but he really didn't win very often. Hmm. Okay. Well, but that's by choice, right? They design those things. They design those things. Uh So, yes. So the upper... The people yeah. decided that... Give the people what they want. Yeah, yeah. He wasn't they didn't want what it. they wanted. Yeah. I think, like, one thing I read, Stephanie McMahon said something about how the women don't want to sleep with him. Oh. Like, he wasn't... Yeah, he wasn't that guy. He wasn't that guy. Yeah, yeah you get what I'm saying. I so do. even though he was so, so good... He just didn't have that something. He was missing something. Yeah, I know. It was, okay. It's really sad, though. He had he had a bunch of injuries, but he refused to be sidelined. And he often pushed himself without getting any type of medical clearance. I remember he had neck surgery, and they said that he was, like, running up and down the stairs at his house, like, the next day, like, trying to oh. get in shape to get back in the ring. And now I understand a little bit more about that. I looked back and kind of the actual behind the scenes of wrestling, right? Like what the wrestlers actually experience. And things probably are a little bit different now, but not entirely because it's been, what, 20, 30 years. Mm -hmm. But the only way that a wrestler gets paid is if they work. So if you're not at the event, you're not getting paid. Okay. So you you don't get paid for travel expenses. You get yourself there. Is it, wait, is it still like that? I couldn't find anything to tell me the truth. It says now what the the most recent article I said, and now it said everything is a personally negotiated contract. I gotcha. Okay. So it's not, so that's why I said things might be a little bit different now. Right. But I can understand reading the things that I did on why these wrestlers wrestled injured. Yeah. And why they did the things they did. Yeah. So they paid their own travel expenses, their own transportation their own lodging, their own meals. They had no medical benefits. Wow. That doesn't sound... So it was saying one of the wrestlers, I can't remember his name, actually lost money. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, no, he I didn't make any money. Happen. Yeah. Because of all of the stuff he had to pay for. I mean, imagine getting like a medical injury that requires neck surgery. Uh, like, yeah. yeah. You, and then you're not there, so you can't perform. They write you out of the story, Tara. 
you're no longer part of the soap opera drama because you're oh not gosh, there. That's rough. Well, and then here you go. You just had neck surgery. You've got this huge house with a belt-shaped pool that you have to pay for, and you're not getting paid. That's I mean, and they're a in a different city situation. every night. Yeah, that's. I can't remember that. I have to look. That's up. a lot There's of a certain number expenses. of days that they travel, which is in the three hundreds. I'm really surprised by that because you would think that they would get paid for. I mean, everything from working out to. You know, and then I read that you get 25% of like if there's a t shirt out there, uh-huh. the you get 25% and the WWE is going to get the rest as far as profits. Okay, now if you're on that shirt with six other people, that 25% is you split, split six, six ways. ways. Wow, okay, so everything I read is these, these wrestlers at this time they were not ballers, they were wrestling because they loved it not i mean and that right there his home is modest i mean it was a gated home but it wasn't i mean it wasn't kardashian i think his net worth was five hundred thousand. okay successful but not right Right. he still had to work to pay the bills yes absolutely absolutely i'm sure it was stressful no matter what you know no matter what but it gives me another greater appreciation for wrestling and the fans and what they had to do to, to, to do their craft. And like, it, it makes sense why it's such a hardcore community. Right. Right. Oh, and forget the concussion. I mean, that wasn't even a thing then. Like people oh, were concussed yeah. during yeah. the wrestling and you got up and you, and you kept going, you kept going. Yes. So you're still in the background. I know. She's down there squirreling around. I'm sorry. Oh, no, no, no. It's okay. I just thought I'd mention it in case people hear it and I can't cut it out. But I know that she's she's at home working. She's yeah. schooled. I mean, she's in the kitchen. Yeah. She's not like she's up here. But she's making pancakes. <laughs> she better not be making pancakes. If I smell pancakes, we are going to pause. <laughs> I want some. You better be extra. <laughs> okay. So in the Benoit's personal life, he was married twice, having two children with his first marriage. David and Megan, this marriage ended in divorce in 1997. Now, at this time, Benoit was cozying up with a woman named Nancy Sullivan. Nancy was also in the wrestling industry. She's what they called a valet. She was discovered actually in the audience of a wrestling event. She was there with a boyfriend at the time. So she never wrestled. But I don't want to, she was arm candy. So was she like one of the ladies that wears bikinis and like escorted, walks around escorted with escorted the wrestler around? Yes. Back oh, in like the 80s. what about like the? Oh wait, that's boxing. I'm like, there's no. <laughs> like, no there's once your arms went up, I'm like, no. Oh, I might have to cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> so she, but I mean, very similar. So she was like, she would walk around on the arm and okay. she would, okay, yeah, help sell the story and you know. Mm-hmm. So she was actually at the time. You have to listen to this story because this is hard to follow, but it's good. So Nancy Sullivan was the wife of WCW Booker and also wrestler Kevin Sullivan. Okay. So Booker basically is responsible for writing the show and who's going to wrestle who, Mm -hmm. you know. So he writes this storyline involving his wife, Nancy, having an affair with Benoit. Oh, oh. Not a good idea. No. He thought the fans would just eat this up. Now, this is back in the time, too, when wrestling was truly authentic. They were very hardcore, right? So you would not see two rivals, like, out to lunch together. 
Okay. Do you know what I mean? They did everything they could to try to keep it as real as possible. So Sullivan, wanting to make the story very, very real, he tells Nancy and Banwa, make the story come to life. Travel together. Stay at the same hotel. Go out to lunch. Go out to dinner. Be seen together. Make this story believable. So was he trying to get divorced? (laughs) No. Rumor has it imagine? he was rumor has it he was also having an affair with like another valet. Uh, but I was like, there's gotta be something more to this story where he'd be like, all right. It's like go. a I guess it's like a running joke mm-hmm. still in wrestling, how really? he like basically wrote his own divorce. Oh my god. So that's what they did, right? They were seen, and Benoit's not a flashy guy either, so he was very quiet about it, but they were still seen together. And there was some I watched some footage of Benoit and Nancy, like, you know how he didn't watch wrestling, but they would, at the event, they would, like, flash on the screen or whatever. The two of them, like, together having champagne or, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's so comical, but I love it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like I said, Kevin Sullivan's, his story sure came to life because Benoit and Nancy ended up having the affair. The two of them ended up crazy in love and moved in together. Okay. They were divorced. and wow. I know. And he was already separated from his, Benoit was already separated from his first wife. Mm -hmm. Um, Nancy was ready to leave the wrestling industry and settle down. She wanted to have a family, and they welcomed Daniel on February 25th, 2007. Um, Benoit and Nancy were married on November 23rd, 2000, with uh, little Daniel being their best man. And things weren't always easy for the two of them. I can imagine not. You know, her husband was never home. She tried to appreciate the industry because she was in it at one time. Yeah. But they really wanted him to get out. She was done. Later, after everything was said, they found out at one time that Nancy did file for divorce and a restraining order. It was in 2003. Um, There's no... She didn't say that Benoit ever physically hurt her, but... She stated that he would break things and throw furniture in, like, fits of rage. That's scary, though. That's really scary. You shouldn't have to live with that. No. And as you know from the rest of the story, she obviously dropped to the restraining order. Yeah. They stayed together. So now on to the why. Why did this happen? There's no suicide note. We'll never know what Benoit was thinking in his final days, but that doesn't stop us from trying to understand it. Mm -hmm. What could we do to stop something like this? I'm going to tell you about the toxicology report. Um, So like I said, Daniel had Xanax in his system. They were believed he was given it as a sedative Mm -hmm. by Benoit so that he'd be unconscious when he was suffocated. Nancy was found to have three different drugs in her system. She had Xanax, hydrocodone, and hydromorphone. So we had Xanax is for anxiety. The other two are pain meds. She was... Was she addicted? I believe she was a pill popper, yes. Okay. It sounds like it. Mm-hmm. There's something like... I read somewhere where she went through, like... I don't want to misquote it, but, like, 300 pills in, like, a month. I don't know. It was ridiculous. Like, wow. she was taking, like, 9 to 10 hydrocodone a day. Mm, that's a problem. A lot. That's a big problem. Yeah. Very big problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was found that she was at a therapeutic level 
when she was drugged. So she wasn't drugged when she was murdered, basically, is what they were trying to get to She it. was probably so used to it that taking a couple that would show up in a toxicology report probably just made her feel normal. Yeah. So he didn't, like, they were saying how Benoit purposely sedated Daniel. He did not do that to Nancy. Okay. It was basically what they were trying to get at. Benoit was found to have Xanax, hydrocodone, as well as an elevated level of testosterone. And this, the elevated testosterone they determined was synthetic. It it's was a steroid, right? Yeah, it wasn't natural. They thought he was taking testosterone to treat a deficiency caused by prior steroid abuse. Mm-hmm. I read that he, every month, he got a 10-month prescription for testosterone. <gasps> Oh, my gosh. Their family doctor actually, and this is, I had to stop myself because you would listen to me for days, um, <laughs> actually got charged. I hope because so. Because of the amount of prescription medication he was giving out to Nancy Benoit and other wrestlers wow. and athletes. They did say that the substances found in his body scientifically could not contribute to his behavior. So there was the speculation of roid rage. Guilty. I said it as soon as it happened. He had a roid, he had a roid body. When you looked at him. If he's throwing furniture. Well, and he was 5'11". He was very top heavy. You know, like he had that. You know what I'm saying. But they ruled out roid rage. Uh, Benoit, he was a consumer of steroids. Everybody knew it, but at that time, pre this, I should say, like 2006, the WWE just started cracking down on steroids, Mm -hmm. but it was like a pretend crackdown from what I understand. They made it seem like they were... Well, everybody knew it was a normal thing for a long time. But before that, it was just widely open. Oh, yeah. When they first started, um, so they started the WWE Talent and Wellness Program in... Benoit was immediately flagged. So in February 2006, they found Nagelone, which is an anabolic steroid. And they also found Anastolzol, which is a breast cancer medication. I mean, you know these. Mm-hmm. Which bodybuilders use because it has an anti-estrogen effect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. This brings up a whole other issue, which I almost didn't talk about this, but I had to because when I heard about... This tragedy, I actually believed this, what I'm going to tell you next. Okay. And not until I did my research for this story did I actually realize that it wasn't true. Oh, wow. Okay. So there were steroids found in the home, obviously. I mean, think of the things that I just told you. Yeah. And there was, after the deaths, there was a rumor going around that Daniel had fragile X. Are you familiar with that? No. So it's a genetic disorder and it it causes some like intellectual disabilities there's some physical features like you have a long face a high forehead um some even have autism but the media speculated that the stress from dealing with daniel's needs being diagnosed with fragile x caused the strain on the family and this kind of is what pushed benoit over the edge and that the steroids in the house were actually for Daniel. They were said that his body was found with needle marks. Now, people around the family actually believe this as well because they said Benoit was such a private person, they don't believe that he would actually confide this in someone. And 
his son was small. He had mm-hmm. some of the features. So right. they weren't shocked to hear this. Mm-hmm. It was later proven untrue. Okay. Daniel's physicians and his teachers came forward and said, this was not a diagnosis. This did not happen. This is not true. And I don't know if this is true or not, but it's supposedly traced back to the WWE that they started the rumor because they wanted to cover up the steroids. I don't that's super controversial for sure. I don't know if it's true, but shame on whoever started it. Yeah. But they believe it was started to cover up the fact that there were steroids found in the home. They wanted another reason. (sighs) Couldn't be that long. Yeah. Come on. I know. I'm telling you a lot of information. I'm so sorry. I have more. But I did stop myself at some point. Another part that I just want you to understand, I want everyone to feel what Benoit was going through. That's all. So another thing that was very significant is that he lost his best friend in 2005. A fellow wrestler, his best friend, Eddie Guerrero, passed away in a hotel room while they were on a tour, an event together. Uh, He had heart damage from long-term steroid use. Uh That's why he died. Mm -hmm. But what happened was they were supposed to meet in the lobby to go work out together that morning, and he never answered his wake-up call. When they went to the room, the chain was still locked, so they knew he was in there, and they found him on the bathroom floor with his toothbrush still in his hand with toothpaste on it. Benoit never recovered. He just never, he could not, he spiraled. He could not get out of it. Um, And the documentary that I watched, Guerrero's wife, she talks about her husband too. I just have to say, like, the sweetest thing. She just talks about, when she talked about her husband, she just lit up. It was amazing to watch. But she talks about Benoit showing up at her house and he would sit in their at-home weight room and he would just cry and cry and cry like I think about it and she said she just didn't know what to do she had never seen anything like it and he was inconsolable he there was nothing she could do to help him I can't even I just can't even imagine most most guys are so especially like the macho type guys they don't she did not even know what to do she just he was destroyed his fellow wrestlers they no one could help him everything everywhere they went everything they did he just talked about oh the last time i was here i remember eddie was here and we did this and we did that we all have those memories but his was different it was deeper he couldn't function without his best friend they found um, a journal. He had a diary where he was actually writing to his best friend about what was happening. Literally. Dear Eddie. Oh. Oh, my gosh. That's, I mean, my heart. Yeah. So Nancy, his wife, is struggling to comfort him. Benoit is just pushing her away more and more. Sadness and grief is just taking over his world. At this time, there's also text messages that they discovered that she was telling him to stop the steroids. You know, I can't handle this anymore. Friends say he started drinking heavily. So just imagine yourself in this place, right? So 
His marriage is struggling. His career is struggling at this point because he's starting to get older. He's topping out and he hasn't reached the top of the ladder yet. He's 40. Mm -hmm. He's worried they're writing him out. What is he going to do next? He's literally never done anything but wrestle. That was it. He lost his best friend. He couldn't, he was struggling with the grief. He's trying to stop the steroids, but it's leading to other substance, substance abuse. Now he's drinking. I, he's got to travel for work. I mean, look at us when we travel for like three days. We're like, ah, your body is freaking out. I don't, I mean, he just had to be in such a place. Yeah, I'm sure. And then I'm sure. we add on CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy. From all the head injuries. You know, I've lectured you about this for so long. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh, no, here it comes. No, no, it's okay. Um, so I've been talking to you about CTE for years. Mm-hmm. And this almost became a lesson about CTE, but I saved you all <laughs> and deleted those three pages. Oh, <laughs> I was like, Lord. you're going too far. And you're going too far. They can look it up themselves. So a former wrestler, Christopher Nowinski, he is now the co-founder and CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation and co-founder of the Boston University CTE Center. This is someone who Benoit wrestled with. Okay. Okay. So he knew Benoit. Him and Benoit had been in talks before Benoit's death. Benoit reached out to him about the number of concussions that you could have had. What are the things that start happening? Mm -hmm. He knew something was not right. He knew something was not right. Mm -hmm. They were supposed to connect again shortly before Benoit's death. I know, right? So he knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. He knew something wasn't right. Nowinski reached out to Benoit's father, Michael, after the death and suggested maybe there was something going on with his son because of all of the concussions and the head trauma. I mean... Benoit was back in the day where they actually hit each other with metal chairs. You can't do that anymore. Over the head. So that's banned. Yeah. Wow. So that part was real. That part was real. They actually used to hit each other. They tests. He gave me permission. So tests were conducted on Benoit's brain by Julian Bales. He's the head of neurosurgery at Western Virginia University. And the results showed that Benoit's brain was so severely damaged It resembled the brain of an 85-year-old Alzheimer's patient. Wow. There's pictures. I can show you the pictures of a normal brain and what his brain You have to wonder how he was even functioning. That's what they say. Yeah. Exactly. So some of the anger problems that he was having. So I think back to some of the Alzheimer's patients that I work with. Exactly like that. Throwing things around, the outbursts, the rage, because mm-hmm. they're they can't handle their emotions. It's just confusion all the time. <sighs> so he they compared his brains to the brain of four retired NFL players who had also suffered from multiple concussions, that suffered from depression and went on to harm themselves and or others. And his brain right in line with those those same people. <sighs> And I have a feeling I know who was on that list. Yes. And so he, they also later on say he was suffering from paranoia. Okay. This was something 
that happened kind of right before the murders, he was taking different routes to and from the gym. He was telling his driver, like if he got picked up from the airport to take different routes, Mm -hmm. they had put his son in a private school where he would be safe. It was a secured school. They got the dogs. He thought people were following him. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, even with other, you know, with other brain, not necessarily trauma, but with other, like, um, diseases and things, paranoia is a part of that decline. Mm -hmm. Like, you just start freaking out about things, and you're like, I just remember that from, you know, personal yeah. things and, pe- and people that we knew and and I just remember that being very odd and thinking wow that why is that you're like you're not even it? making sense right so what are your thoughts after I told you all of these things mm-hmm. I, my thoughts are I can see how people are divided because I feel divided I can't I my heart goes out to everything that he was dealing with but I just you can't forgive him for what he did. No, I, I can't forgive what he did. And I'm trying to put myself into that perspective. Like, good God, this man needed to be basically he institutionalized. Help. He needed someone to help him through this and keep him in a safe place where he could detox his body and mind and just pick a different route. I know you can't imagine that well, when you're and going through it, but No. And I mean realistically, that amount of dementia, I mean, once they got him clean on other things, maybe he could be medicated in another way to help him. And but I don't know that you can ever live a normal, normal life. life. Right. So there's there's a lot of controversy like the WWE will not take responsibility for any anything because basically they say Everything that happens in that ring and during your performance is your decision. Mm. I also, and that's a, it's a little bit different now. But mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, okay. it's not over yet, people. <laughs> I apologize. Uh, they, they've made some changes, but they basically say, like, you know the risk. But I feel like a wrestler, his back was up against the wall. He knew nothing else. He had to keep that's going. And then at that yeah. point... When you have, when your brain is so scrambled, can you even make the decision to get out and to make a different life? No, probably not. I'm going to say no. I mean, I'm sure that consistency and normalcy and the things that are very familiar to you are the only thing you're holding on to because you can't. If you have a brain of an 85-year-old with dementia, how can you decide I'm no longer going to wrestle and I'm going to give my family a different life? We know that's not the right decision, but maybe he just didn't know what to do do anymore I'm sure that's where he was I just he couldn't keep doing what he was doing but he just he'd made a bad choice he needed if he didn't want to be here anymore oh and that is just a horrible thing to say I don't know how to say that but I'm just saying I know what you're saying don't hurt your feelings don't so they had a memorial for Nancy and Daniel and they were both cremated their ashes were put in star shaped urns Benoit, he was also cremated. There was a private memorial. No, I don't, they don't list where his ashes are, anything like that. Everything was very on the down low because media, yeah, all of that. Now, I listened to an interview with his oldest son, David. So good. So David obviously lived with his mom, Mm -hmm. Benoit's first wife, but he spent a lot of time 
Nancy, like he says, was not a stepmom. It was his mom. Him and his little brother, Daniel, talked about how they were going to be a tag team match. They were going to wrestle together. I mean, a million pictures of the family online. He would spend summer with the Benoits. He... He's trying to wait, make his way into the wrestling community. So he loved wrestling from the day he was born. He talks about his dad still in a very, very positive light. And he, I mean, he just says that the, the person who did this was not his father. And he, oh my God, I just started crying when I was listening to the interview because he talks about how the wrestling community was the only thing he ever knew. And they basically abandoned him. Like no one, like once his dad was gone and his dad did such a horrible thing, they, they were, him out too. they were erased. Mm-hmm. It was just gone. He was, it was like, he did something bad too. And he, he had no one and he was bullied at school oh, and made fun of. God, kids are so mean. My heart, like, I mean, the survivors in the story, even mm-hmm. then they there were was, victims, too. They were victims, too. So Nancy had um, her sister, Sandra, and there was this Obviously, Nancy's family is not. I can't imagine how they have to deal with the fact that their daughter was murdered. Right. So they think of Benoit as a monster. They're not necessarily very welcoming to Benoit's children who have basically been raised by Nancy. So they, I mean, all of that family was just cut off. They were just done. But in the documentary, they're actually, he was reunited with his aunt. And it was just the sweetest thing. And they just really need each other. And she talks about how she really wants to forgive Chris Benoit for the things that he did. She's not ready yet, but I just, there's so much healing. I mean, 14 years later, they're still struggling. Oh, gosh. I can't even, I can't even imagine. Um, Of course, I follow him on Instagram now. He is not canceling Rachel Hollis, so I am his biggest fan. (laughs) Uh, But there was some positive that came about after all is said and done. About eight months after the death of Benoit, the WWE decided that they were going to change to PG. Oh, okay. Which is a good thing, right? So they eliminated profanity. Do you remember? No, you don't. I keep saying, do you remember? You didn't watch it, so never mind. Um, I didn't watch it like you did, but I just, I have bits and pieces you in would, my like, memory. Or you would, like, smash beer and, like, chug beer. I mean, I don't know. You can't do, like, any of those I mean, I watched, any. like, the whole Hogan show. I mean, we're yeah. talking about reality TV yeah. already, but I've watched, like, the whole, you know, all of that. So I... And, of course, I love The Rock, and I've seen bits and pieces of, you know, John Cena, of course, who doesn't want, you know. No. Yeah. So I can imagine <laughs> all these things I'm trying to remember. I'm trying yeah. to remember. But they decided to go PG. There was a real crackdown on steroids now instead of the pretend one. Mm-hmm. They became more adamant on physicals. Can you imagine that you could wrestle without any physical clearance? Oh, that's just, no, you definitely need a physical. So, like. I'm so glad that that's implemented. Yes. That should have been implemented a A long time time ago. ago. So you need an actual physical evaluation. You need clearance after you've had an injury. So there's... So like the normal things that you should have already been doing. The normal things. They become very strict on media content. 
uh, and drug and alcohol use as well. So not just steroids, but mm -hmm. drug and alcohol in general. They actually have a program now. I read again that it's controversial. I don't know if it's real or not, but any point in time after you've been in the WWE, the professional wrestler, like even if it's 20 years later and you need help with drug or alcohol addiction, it's taken care of. That's amazing. That's amazing. So anytime. Because, yeah. and Steve and I had a lot of long talks about this. I mean, I can't imagine what their bodies feel. They're crippled. They're in so much pain. Oh, yeah. From the abuse yeah. they've done on their bodies that they need to pop pills just to get out of bed in the morning. So, I mean, it's no, it's not unknown that many of them have substance abuse problems. Mm -hmm. Now that there's help. They've eliminated a bunch of the certain, you know, the holds that they can do, a lot of the high risk mm -hmm. maneuvers that they would do. So, like I said, you can no longer do chair shots to the head. Um, you can take chair shots, but I believe it's only to the back. There's oh, rules. So I, much I know, but I mean, can you imagine getting hit over the head with a no, freaking metal chair? God, no. Talk about lights out. Yeah. So they, they've made a lot of changes to help eliminate injuries and keeping concussions specifically in mind. Obviously, mm -hmm. that's that's a big thing. Yeah. There's a documentary that I watched. Vice put out this documentary. It's called The Dark Side of the Ring. Benoit's story is season two, I believe, episode one and two. But The Dark Side of the Ring, it shows so many stories. Oh, oh my gosh. It's so I'm sure so his good. is not even unique. It just ended There's, the yes. way that... And then um, I read a couple. I have one book. Um, we'll put the, I'll feature that. I'll put it on Instagram one of these days. And then also there's another book out there. Um, I'll probably ask if anyone has it. I wanted to buy it, but we don't have any sponsors and it's $186. <laughs> oh, what is it? Oh, let me, I'll find it right now. Um, it's called Ring of Hell, the story of Chris Benoit and the fall of the pro wrestling industry by Matthew Randazzo, I believe is, is how you say it. Okay. But I don't know if it's no longer made or what. You can only get it used. And when I was trying to find it, it was like $159 or $189. Really? And obviously, we don't quite have that in our podcasting budget right now. Yeah. <laughs> so it's I did very not. Small budget. And I could not find it at any library. That's crazy. I was going to say, usually a library has that. I'm wondering because it's Chris Benoit and they tried to cancel him. So, like, everything's gone? Everything is, like, actually, like, more money. I did, like I said, I'll link to another book that I read that was also really good that I could actually get my hands on. But that one I really, really, really wanted. But I couldn't. Hey, if anybody out there has that and would like to I'll send, send it, it our way. I'll send it back. Yeah, that would be great. And so that's my story. Wow. That was a lot, huh? Oh, it was just... It was heavy. It's just a lot to think about. I think a lot about football players and their concussions all the time. Like that is something that's a, it's kind of just, you know, always bothered me. Absolutely. Go through that. Steve and I, we've talked, obviously, we had some time together for spring break, so we could actually have conversations. And we talked a lot about um, Chris Benoit, but also CTE, because, you know, I'm a huge yeah, yeah. advocate as far as concussions and I'm not a fan of no, sports. No, that... I don't want. I don't want Chase to play football. You know. Mm -hmm. But then Steve tells me how Julia's a gymnast and she could break her neck at any time. So, but she's still. I mean, that's one 
freak accident. I mean, these people are taking multiple blows to the head. I know what it's like when I get hit in the head. I mean, I fell down the stairs, I think I was like 14. And I remember actually seeing stars. Have you ever had that? Yeah. Where you hit your, I can imagine that happening. Yeah. You thought it was just like a cartoon thing? No. No, it really happens. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. Mm -hmm. Um, So just a lot to think about and... Mm -hmm. well and I was even when you were telling me your story and you were saying he was like 40 and I'm like good god I'm 40 and I can't imagine like being an athlete and playing in college was amazing but I can't imagine still that like living that lifestyle like going to the gym and working out and playing these all and traveling and playing like 22 years yeah he had been wrestling since he was 18 and he started training when he was baseball players don't like play for I mean they play for a while but it's not like they're no, they're not, not like this. torturing not their bodies you know what I'm saying like yeah. I can't even imagine they're given playing. grace they have an off season yeah this is like I think they said that they wrestle 340 days a year oh my gosh like it was in the 300s whatever it was it was in the 300s that's a lot their body gets no break no, that's imagine. why they're taking drugs to keep I can't going imagine. our guys like Billy played baseball in college, and he's playing softball now, and we know how that goes. Like, the guys come home with injuries every season. Oh, it's like, don't even God, get you guys, me started on how did husband. you pull a hammy? Oh, I just picked up the ball and threw yeah. it to third. Yeah. You know, it's like, I can't imagine them doing all of this at this age. Like, I would be, be very worried. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know. And, I mean, 22 years of concussions. Yeah. And that's only when he was actually wrestling professionally, when he started when he was 18. He had started practicing when he was 12. So, I mean, we all know when you're that age, when you're really young, you have no fear. I can only imagine what is going on. I don't know. And you would think that the people around him who are closest to him, maybe they just thought it was the steroids. Maybe that's why she kept saying, get off the steroids, get off this, do that. That too. But he's from Canada, so his family is not... Well, but, like, his good friends and, like, his white, like, I know she was saying stop this, stop that, but, I mean, she couldn't have diagnosed him, but at the same time, like, when somebody has that much damage and it's His entire community was wrestlers. How do you tell someone who's doing the same thing? You're doing the same thing. How do you tell them, stop doing what I'm doing well, I guess what I was saying is not really stop wrestling, but just more of something's not right with this oh, guy. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like, something's going on. Like, if you have the brain of an 85-year-old, like, man with dementia, somebody's got to notice something. Mm-hmm. Like, why Why weren't people, you know? And maybe it just got to the point where he was talking to that guy who he said started the, I can't remember his name, the foundation. And yeah, no one's he seen. realized, maybe himself, like, hey. I think a large part of it, too, is... He fell through the cracks in the aspect of that he wasn't home very much because he traveled. Mm-hmm. But when he traveled, he often started traveling alone because he wasn't with his best friend anymore. Mm-hmm. So people just didn't see that I don't, part, right? Yes. Like, I think that it was one of those, Nancy will see it. But, you know, Jericho will see it. He was falling through the cracks in, like, mm-hmm. so many different ways. That makes sense. Does that make sense? It does make sense. I can I can see that happening. It sounded I just, like you know what I'm they said he was like isolating himself, that he would almost make himself invisible. He wasn't hanging out with anyone. Well, and if your marriage is on the rocks, you're probably 
distancing yourself too and spending less time together really yeah I, I think it's just it was a trifecta of just mm-hmm. it was a tri- there's just so many things that were not going in this way <sighs> poor family I hope I did the WWE and the wrestling fans justice I I tried my best I think you did I mean and I tried to give compassion to everybody involved I don't think there's anyone to blame for the situation. I think it was just a really, really bad set of unfortunate events. It sounds like it. It sounds like it, but I know what you're saying, where we have to keep... There's, like, this this need, especially in, like, I think the true crime community and in law enforcement and everywhere, to try to figure out and be a step ahead of something like this because this whole family annihilator situation that we have going on in our country is just... It would be great to get ahead of it. I don't even know how. I don't know how you prevent it, but. No. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show and, and, and liking the podcast, please head over to Apple or wherever you listen that does reviews and rate and review. We would love to hear from you. Um, send us a note. Yeah. Share with your friends. Yeah. So until next time. See ya. Bye.